Hey, I, I just want to say to Corey and the worship team, I love that chorus. No longer a slave to fear. I think it ought to be the theme chorus for this whole COVID year. Uh, it, it's amazing. Our country's just been washed over with a tsunami of fear. It's amazing what we're afraid of. And I, I just love the reminder that uh, as children of God, that one of the commands Jesus gave over and over in the New Testament was fear not. What are you afraid of? And as believers, uh, you know, there are people that are afraid that maybe need the Lord Jesus Christ so they can overcome fear. And for those of us that are believers, even some of us have a little bit of fear to work on. But uh, what a great song. Thanks for the reminder. I want to sing that one in the car for the rest, uh, for the rest of the week. Well, what's the, uh, what's the word today? Ten words. Uh, the word is command. I got a word with an edge. I mean, I, I've, been, I've been looking at some of these great, you know, create and, uh, and, and rest and bless. Really nice words. I got command. So, uh, well, let me tell you something I'm really excited about before we go any further. Where I live on the north edge of Phoenix, almost every morning and often late in the afternoon, hot air balloons come floating over. Sometimes just right over the house, you can hear them when they hit the propane. It's like, oh, man. So I got all excited about hot air balloons. I just want to tell you about an opportunity right now. I looked up how to build a hot air balloon because you know what they cost to take a ride in one of those things, they want like 150, 175 bucks to ride in the hot air balloon. I said, oh, I can do better than that. I know better. So I looked up all the things you need to build a hot air balloon. Let me tell you what I've done. Uh, first of all, I, I asked, okay, what do you, what's the material, those colorful, what, what is that? Well, almost all hot air balloons are made of nylon, but man, that gets expensive. And I found a killer deal on rayon. And so, uh, or rather, acrylic, not rayon, acrylic. Let me tell you what the book says about acrylic, just so you know. Acrylic is the most flammable of all the synthetic fibers. It can be difficult to ignite, but once acrylic catches fire, it burns vigorously. Now, the thing that I want you to see in that description is the middle. This is, it's important where you focus. And it says there, it can be difficult to ignite. So just don't pay attention to the rest of that definition and know that it's different, and we're fine. So I got this great deal, so already I'm saving money, and it'll cost less for you to ride in my hot air balloon. Now, it says there that a balloon should hold about 65,000 cubic feet of hot air. I thought, man, that is, that is a lot of hot air, and I say that as one who's been accused of producing hot air. But uh, on average, a hot air balloon, 65,000 cubic square feet, it can lift 1,000 pounds. And I thought, you know, you don't need to lift 1,000 pounds. So I, on this killer deal, bought all of the acrylic I could, but it, it's going to be more like 35,000 square feet instead of 65. So it's kind of an economy balloon, if, if, if you know what I'm saying. The next thing I had to buy was a burner uh, that burns the gas that makes the heat, that fills the hot air. You would not believe how much burners cost. It's crazy. So, so I said, I, I can do better than that. Do you remember in science lab in high school, those Bunsen burners things they used to use? I just bought a half a dozen of those. Oh, I mean, it costs so much less than one of these uh, fancy, fancy, clancy burners. And you, you tie them all together, you light them, and, and then the other thing you need is a pilot light. They want hundreds of dollars for a pilot. I've always had good luck with safety matches. So I just, I'm going to, I keep safety matches. I forget the pilot light, tie the Bunsen burners together, make enough heat to make 
make it work. And then, of course, the finishing touch is the basket or, in balloon speak, the gondola. And, and again, they make those things, they're, they're ridiculously expensive. So, I, here's what I did. Do you remember as a child when your parents bought a big appliance, maybe a dishwasher or a refrigerator, and it came in a cardboard box? How much fun did you have playing in that cardboard box? Well, that's what we've got here at my Econo Air Balloon Company. The baskets are made, well, don't worry, that seems flimsy. I doubled them. I doubled them. So cardboard box for the gondola, Bunsen burners, and away we go. And after the service, out in the lobby, you can sign up to ride with me in my balloon. Wouldn't you like to ride in my beautiful day? Okay. This is ridiculous. Anything we talk about in life has instructions, guidelines, parameters. Anything, anything. How do I do that? You look, there are guidelines, and there are reasons for the guidelines so that some idiot like me doesn't build a balloon that's going to kill people. The word this morning is command. Command. Here's my definition. Reasonable, understandable, consequential parameters designed by God to give man a full, meaningful life and a close, life-changing relationship with his creator. Because one of the first questions, why are, why are all these commands? Christianity seems, you know, I got rules and regulations. It's, ah, it's, not, it's not, not, not for me. Someone else's definition is even a little stronger. An authoritative word, a series of words from God or man expecting obedience on the part of the hearers. We all know the difference between a command and a suggestion. If you've had um, junior hires live in your home or raise them, it's amazing what happens over time in their bedroom. It just the second law of thermodynamics. Things kind of go downhill, and after time, it can not only smell bad, but things can pile up. And uh, I've, I've been told, one parent told me, yeah, the, the dirty laundry sat there and built up, built up, till it moved all by itself. So what does a parent say to their junior hire? Well, they could say, you know, just a thought. If you have time sometime in the next month, you know, maybe you'd consider cleaning your room. Or that parent could say, Go clean your room. You will not eat in this house until you clean your room. Every one of us here intuitively know the difference between a suggestion and a command. And throughout Scripture, Old and New Testament, God uses commands to establish parameters, and these commands are reasonable, and they're understandable, and they're consequential if you do follow them or if you don't. And they're not suggestions. But how easy is it to treat them like they're suggestions? Unbelievable. Genesis 2. I love Genesis. It's a recap of Genesis 1, which really is the creation account in detail. But in Genesis 2, you you, kind of start out in, in, in summary form, recapping part of Genesis 1. 
and, and then you even get to some details about the Garden of Eden and description and the rivers. I didn't, I didn't remember until I read it again that there was the first mister system. You know, we, we have those here in Arizona when it gets really hot, but it, it actually says that the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth and there was no man to till the ground, but a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole. So that's in Genesis chapter 2. And then you have the description of the rivers, and there's some gold there, and there's some good things there. And then you get to verse uh, 15, God took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend it, to keep it. And here we are in verse 16. Here we are, Genesis 2, 16 and 17. It says, and the Lord God commanded the man. That is, in the Bible, the first use of the Hebrew word. And there's several Hebrew words. This is the primary one. The first use of the word command outside of the commands he used in creating. This is the first command directed to man. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may be ready to eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat with this little tagline, for in the day you eat, you die. Whoa. Whoa. In the very next verse, we move away from the command, and It's not good for the man to be alone, and Eve is fashioned out of a rib taken from Adam's side. So when the first command is given, it's given to man, woman isn't even around yet. There's the command. Isn't that strange? Uh, The description a few verses earlier is that there's two trees that are named in the garden, the tree of life, which shows up again in the book of Revelation, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It it doesn't say don't touch it. It says don't eat from it. And and what a strange command. God could have done so many different things, but he gave a command. He gave parameters that were reasonable, that were understandable. Do not eat from that tree or death will ensue. Got it? And consequential. Because the day you eat of it, you, uh, you die. Death enters the world. Okay. All of the commands of God are reasonable. You might want to argue with that. That's just because our culture kind of warps the way we think. All of the commands of God are understandable, and all of the commands of God have consequences. The Lord God commanded. Now, I think it's beautiful there that before he gave restrictions, he gave permission. You can eat from any tree in the garden. And there was a lot of trees in the garden, all kinds of fruit, maybe some fruit we don't even have today. I don't know. Any, you can eat anything but one tree, just one. Don't eat of that one. That was the command. It was a, a, a sort of test, but God put that in there. And how does human nature work? The one thing we're not supposed to do, that's what's most interesting to take a look at. Hmm. Why am I not supposed to eat from that tree? Hmm. Hmm. I wonder how many times they walked around it looking at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil going, I don't see any difference between this tree and that tree. I, I, I don't know. How many times? Maybe they did touch it. Just touch the fruit. Feels like regular fruit to me. The day you eat of it, you die. Now, here's the thing when God gives us commands throughout Scripture, particularly for us in the New Testament. We can be part of the DTM WTD club, which is, which is just human. That's the 
don't tell me what to do club. And uh, depending on where the command is coming from, if it's coming from one of your siblings, if it's coming from uh, a subordinate, they're just, that just, we're just part of that club. They tell us what to do. Don't tell me what to do. It's very easy to be part of that club when we look at some of the commands of Scripture. Or there's the IKB club, and that's the, well, I know better. I mean, I see it in Scripture, but I know better. Or, um, of course, there's the ITDS, which I don't think so. The Bible says I have to do what I don't think so. We just have these natural responses, human responses to the parameters, the instructions, the commands that God has laid out in Scripture. So I'd, I'd, like, us, uh, I'd like us to move to Deuteronomy, which is, uh, in Italian, the most difficult book of the Bible to pronounce. I remember... Uh, Living there and learning, most of, the, most of the books are pretty easy to pronounce. Genesis is Genesi, Esodo, Levitico, and then Deuteranomeo. It's a seven-syllable Deuteranomeo. I, I struggled with that for years, and finally with the Italians, I said, let's just call it Dut. And they said, Okay. So anyway, it's hard to pronounce in Italian, but in English, most of us are used to it. But at the end of Deuteronomy chapter 30, we come to the end of Moses' life and leadership with Israel. Deuteronomy only has 34 chapters. The 34th chapter is basically Moses died. And 33 and 32, the song of Moses, final instructions to Israel. That's what's going on in chapter 30 as well. This man has led for 40 years from Egypt. He's heard every kind of complaint, every kind of whining, every, all, all the fear of the Israel. He, he's, he's worked all the way through all this, and now the end of his life is here. He's about to hand the reins to Joshua. And in chapter 30, we, we have, the, I think, a pretty clear definition of what commands are. So it says here, well, first of all, I want to say in your notes that God's command they're understandable. They're understandable. We, we can't play dumb. Here's what Moses says. For this commandment which I command you today, it's not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off. It's not in heaven that you should say, well, who's going to ascend into heaven for us and bring it to us so we can hear it? Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, well, who's going to go over the sea for us and bring it to us? But the word is very near you, in your mouth, you've heard it spoken, you've spoken it yourself, and in your heart, because we've read the law, we've dispersed the law, we've talked about the law, let's not play dumb. And even though that's the end of Moses' life in the Old Testament, I think that whole attitude, maybe we need to refresh your course from the Israelites, because the New Testament, which has way more commands in it than the Old Testament, gives us all kind of parameters on how to follow Jesus well. Let's not play dumb. What, 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 is, uh, what does the New Testament say? It says, this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. What? What, what, what does that mean? Well, maybe that was for the first century. Let's not play dumb! Because the commands of God, the parameters of God in life are understandable. They're pretty clear. 
They're reasonable. That's not so. They're reasonable, and they're consequential. So that's that's what Moses said in your mouth, in your heart. Then he goes on. God's commands are consequential. Oh, this is this is great. This is this is basic parenting here. This is consequential. Moses says, "See, I've set before you today life and good, death and evil." In that I command you today, Moses is now coming, I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments, his statutes, his judgments, that you may live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you. Consequences for obedience. Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. But if your heart turns away so that you do not hear, you're drawn away and worship other gods and serve them. I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over. Consequences to disobedience. It's so clear. In the Old Testament, God repeatedly told his people, if you follow my ways, it's going to be great. Your women will do great in childbirth. Your fields will produce crops. The rain will fall at the right time. It's going to be, I'm going to bless you in every possible way. But if you turn from me, very specific, boom, 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 consequences for obedience. The thing about consequences is they're not all immediately evident. Sometimes they take time to develop. So we think, What's the big deal? God doesn't seem to be concerned about my situation. Who cares? You know, everybody else is doing this. What's He knows. You know, He made me this way, so I'm just going to do this. The commands of God are reasonable, understandable, consequential parameters designed by God to give man a full life. To give man a full life. I have a friend. Years ago that I met, he was an electrical engineer, had his own company. And uh, he had some health issues. He had to let go of his company. So then he was wondering, well, what can I do? And he got his teaching credentials. He wanted to go teach. I thought, well, that's interesting. Electrical engineer, teach, okay. His first assignment in the town I lived in was in the public high school there, right out of the chute. And I said, so what are you going to teach? He said, well, they got me doing a study hall. I thought, Wow, you're going to do study hall. So he told me of his experience. The first day he walks into study hall, and there was like 25 kids in there. It was just a wild melee. Paper airplanes flowing, hollering, yelling, foul language. The kids were just out of control. It was unbelievable. He, he, you know, he was kind of shocked. And finally, he, he had to get their attention with a loud whistle. They stopped, and he said, Ah, uh, my name is Wayne. How many of you uh, have homework that you could be working on right now in, in study hall? They all started looking at each other and smiling and laughing. Who is this? And two kids raised their hand out of the 25 plus. So he said, well, would you please sit down and open your books and, and study? That's what this hour is for. And the rest of he said, the rest of you would, you, would would you all just come with me, please? Just follow me. You know, and so he, he went out of the study hall classroom and down the hallway, and he went to the janitor's uh, area there. 
And I said, would you grab those mops and those buckets and you need sponges and there's gloves over here and and there's the cleaning. So today, we're going to learn how to clean the bathrooms here at our high school because I figure if you have no studying to do and you don't like to study, this may be the kind of job that you end up doing. So I want to prepare you well for it. And by now, they realize, oh, man, and they clean bathrooms for that whole hour. The next day, Wayne walks into study hall. How many of you have a homework that you need to be studying? Every hand. Well, word got back to the parents. Wayne lasted two weeks in that school setting. But isn't it great? Parameters are designed so that things work in life the way they're supposed to work. The commands of God are not supposed to be these burdensome, you cannot, you cannot, you should not, don't do that. They're designed so that our relationship with God can be all that it was meant to be. They're not burdensome, Jesus said. They're understandable. They're consequential. They're reasonable. Moses goes on there and says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. It's only reasonable. Why wouldn't you do the very thing that God wants you to do so that he can bless you, so that your relationship with him is all that it should be? Choose life that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, and that you may cling to him. He's your life, and he's the length of your days. And that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. God's commands are not these prudish, thou shalt not do anything that's fun. That's how they get portrayed. That's not it at all. From the very outset of Genesis chapter 2, God commanded the man with parameters for a purpose, and he does the same thing today. One scholar writes, in the New Testament, there are 1,050 commands just in the New Testament. That's a lot of commands. And again, it's like, oh, man, they're all what I can't do. No. The greatest commandment, Jesus was asked, love the Lord your God. The second greatest commandment, love your neighbors yourself. Okay, okay. But what's the most repeated commandment in the New Testament? 1,050 commandments, the most repeated. Now, some of you aren't going to like the way I worded this, but just hold on. The most repeated command, in essence, summarized, be happy. Huh? I don't, I don't think that, I don't think, it's in, in four categories. This is from John Piper. One of the commands is to praise the Lord. It's all through the New Testament. Praise the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord. The second category, do not fear. Do not fear. We talked about it earlier. We sang the chorus this morning. When you're fearful, you're not happy. When you're at peace and above the fear, hey, That's the way I want to live. Third category, rejoice, Philippians. Without ceasing, Philippians says. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice, rejoice. It's in the be happy category. And the fourth category, of course, is give thanks. In everything, Paul says, give thanks. The most common command in the New Testament is have a great life by doing the things that God 
asks you to do within the parameters that he lays out in Scripture, which is why it's so important to be familiar with them. What does he mean when he says that? They're understandable. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. Don't play dumb. This is the will of God. Even your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. That is not very difficult to understand. Be happy. Because God wants a thriving, a growing relationship with each of us. He wants it to work. And the thing that makes it not work is our choice to do our thing and sin. Because when we sin, we don't lose our salvation, but we do break fellowship with God. Our relationship is not quite what it was. Just like with a human being, when all of a sudden something really goes south in the relationship. Oh, you're still, you know, you know them, but it's like, uh, that's what sin does. But when we are following Jesus, when we are delighting in that relationship, when we are living according to the parameters that he set out for, it's good. And that's how it's designed to be. He wants a thriving, growing relationship with each of us following his commands, uh, and it leads to that relationship when we do that. Not following does not lead to a very good relationship. It's one of the great themes of the Bible. Uh, Without pushing too hard, when people just aren't feeling it in terms of their faith and just not very excited about spending any time in the Word and their prayer life is like, really the question is, okay, Where have we stepped over the parameters of how God wants us to live so that that relationship is exciting and fresh and growing? I love, uh, well, I love, one of the more challenging and fascinating books of the Bible is the book of Ecclesiastes written by the wisest human being that ever walked the planet. And I love the way that... uh, Solomon lands the plane all through the book of Ecclesiastes. He says, you know, life comes and goes. I mean, you don't take it with you, so, so enjoy life. That's what we're, enjoy life. He says it again and again throughout Ecclesiastes. You go, wow, that doesn't sound very Old Testament sour. Enjoy life for the years that God has given you. They're going to go by fast. Enjoy life. And then he gets to the very end of the book, and this is what he says. Let's hear the conclusion of the whole matter. This is Ecclesiastes 12, 13 and 14, last two verses of the book. Let's hear the conclusion. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is man's all. You want to have a happy life? And it's not the old jingle, you know, happy wife, happy life. No. You want to have a happy life? Fear God, keep his commandments, for God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. And Paul echoes that to the Corinthians when he talks about the judgment seat of Christ. So Ecclesiastes essentially says, enjoy life, respect God and the parameters that he's put into life. This is what the commands are for. Started in Genesis 2, goes all the way through the Bible. This is a big word in the ten. Live within the parameters. It's the happiest way to live. It's the most productive way to live. It's the best. It's the only way to live for the believer in Jesus Christ. Follow his parameters. The instructions in God's word are understandable and they're reasonable. The last thing in your note says reasonable, understandable, consequential parameters. Once again, 
They're designed by God to give man a full, meaningful life and a close, life-changing relationship with his creator. And, and, and you look at, on a cultural level, not an individual level, the things that have been happening in our country for years. I notice out in the lobby, you got your baby bottles out there for Choices Pregnancy Center. I love that. I'm on the board of that organization. That is an issue. That's not a political issue. That's a life issue. It's within the parameters of how we're to live, and yet our country, since 1973, has put to death about 1.5 million unborn children a year. No wonder things are starting to feel like they're coming apart in our country. And more recently, we've actually changed the definition of marriage. I just, this is just, what? It's God who defined it. You can't all of a sudden change the definition of marriage. And this is what our kids are being taught. This is what our culture is saying. No, because God has given us parameters in which to have a maximum life, and that's not it when we step outside the parameters. It seems like our government is taking more and more pot shots at our family structure. God put that together. Father, mother, children. And it feels like, ah, Why are there commands in the Bible? Because God wants the best relationship possible with his children. And those parameters are designed to produce just that. Please, as you read God's word, as you look at the many things, you know, in the New Testament, be holy for I am holy, put off the old and all these things, put on the new and all these. You look at the commands, understand God just wants the best possible relationship and life for you and for me as we live within what he has established as those parameters and those commands. May God help us do so in a day and age when it's more and more challenging. Pray with me. And Father, we do thank you. Uh, What would we do without the word of God that gives us direction for living Well, we'd probably make up our own rules and do our own thing, and the evidence of that is all around us. Father, thank you for your word. We have a place to turn when the questions come. We have a place to turn, a foundation to stand on when when the culture tells us something entirely different. God commanded Adam, and God, through his word, commands us. Guidelines, instructions, so that we don't build a faulty, crazy balloon that's not going to produce what we want it to. Help us, Father, be faithful to your word, and we'll thank you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.